Please note that the following podcast includes discussions of crimes and violence. It may contain graphic descriptions that could be disturbing to some listeners. The show also features talk about the consumption of cannabis, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So it's just me tonight. That's all you've got. Um, Melissa was unable to record this week. And so with the length of the story, I felt that um, I could handle it myself. (laughs) And uh, just so you all know and pre-warning for everyone, I am uplifted on the Matanuska Thunderfuck again. So this should be fun and entertaining. (laughs) It is hitting me full force just as I hit the record button. So, anyways, we've uh, got some cool things coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, should I say in a couple weeks would make more sense. Um, we we got to be on a, another podcast in sort of. So, um, we'll kind of tell you guys more about it soon. But um, I'm going to... I'll, I'll, in the next episode, so next week, uh, I will play the little tidbitty info clip that everybody does for podcasts about their podcast so they can advertise their podcast. I will reveal the podcast we were on. And then it'll be, I think, a couple releases on their pod a couple, a week after that. So, should be fun. Uh, anyways, I have yammered on, I think, far too long. And if any of that made sense, I, I, I really hope it did. Um, so yeah, let's, let's follow my sativa brain train. <laughs> oh, that should be a sticker. Okay, sativa brain train. Got it. Okay. Awesome. So this week, um, I didn't even make a title for this episode. That is how disorganized I've been. Um that's why I'm recording this on Friday as opposed to Wednesday. Uh, so this one, um, it is about the kidnapping and death of Kayla Brown and, uh, Charlie Carver. So we will dig into this. So Kayla Brown, uh, grew up in the South Carolina area. She worked two jobs, one at a dialysis clinic and the other cleaning houses part-time for a real estate agent. Kayla had recently met and started dating a man by the name of Charlie Carver. Charlie was in the process of getting divorced from his estranged wife. 
Manny described Charlie as a genuine good person, and he loved helping other people. The budding relationship was moving quickly, and soon the two were living together. Charlie's family has always have always been very close, so when his mom noticed that she hadn't heard from Charlie for a while, she uh, like her um, she called his dad to see if he's seen or heard from Charlie, uh, but he had not. So September third, two thousand sixteen, this is when this goes down. His father also had not seen or heard from Charlie in a while, so his mother calls the manager of the apartment where Charlie and Kayla live and asks if they can do a check on them. The apartment manager goes uh, goes to check on the couple, and when no one answers the door, she lets herself in, and no one is there except for Kayla's dog, who seems to have been left without food or water for quite a while. Charlie's mom goes down to the police station and files a missing person report on September 3rd. Police initially feel like it's just a situation where the couple decided to leave without telling anyone. Um, So, like, you know, adults have the right to do. Uh, Charlie's mom insisted to the police, though, that Charlie uh, would have mentioned or told her where they were going. But police tell her there's nothing they can do. Once word spreads around town, there is a complete uproar of people uh, who don't agree with this. And so the police finally decide it's time to start investigating the missing couple. The start, uh, they start by trying to determine when was the last time the couple had been seen. And police brought in 15 people and interviewed them all at the same time. So 15 different detectives, 15 different people. They had each person write out statements uh, as to when they had last seen Charlie or Kayla. Through these statements, police learned that Charlie has been, um, had been last seen le- leaving work on the Wednesday, uh, Tuesday. Why did I say, oh, because my, my T to my U kind of makes it look like a W. Okay, on the Tuesday, August 30th, around 7 or 7.30 p.m. So police sent a request off for the couple's cell phone data to hopefully narrow down the search, you know, looking for where it last pinged off of a tower somewhere. Um, And while they were waiting uh, for that information, a concerning post on Facebook popped up. The post had been made on August 31st by Charlie's estranged wife. And the message said, my beloved husband, rest in peace. Nicole Nunez. Charlie had once told his parents that Nicole, the ex-wife, had been stalking Kayla and himself since they became a couple. He had once even come home from work only to find Nicole in his and Kayla's apartment. She was not ready to let go of their marriage. A month goes by and still nothing has produced a lead into the case. So no luck finding any information as to where Charlie and Kayla might be. Charlie and Kayla's mom begin to do media interviews, hoping to get people's attention and maybe more clues sent their way as to where their kids are. Oh, I gotta take a drink. That is the one thing about the Matanuska Thunderfuck is it definitely gives you dry mouth, for sure. So one day, 
an AT&T operator gets a call from a police detective asking where Charlie's last cell phone pings were located. Now, this is kind of weird because, I mean, the police have a different channel and a special way that they apply for this information. And they would have already done this, so this caller's calling after the fact. Seems kind of sus. Uh, so, but the operator, they they caught the sus part. Like, you know, we're all doing that right now. Um, and so they... Um, denied the request because the person on the phone could not provide um, a badge number and they uh, spelled their the and I'm doing this in like air quotes bunny ears um, that uh, couldn't spell the detective's name correctly uh, do so yeah so they put uh, the caller on hold and they called the police Police confirm that the caller is not them or the detective they that person claimed to be, and police begin to investigate the caller. Police were able to locate the caller, and it turned out to be Charlie's estranged wife, Nicole. <laughs> she was charged with impersonating a police officer, and during their investigation into Nicole, they also discovered that she had been texting Charlie's mother things like, he never wants to see you again, and he contacted me, they're at the beach police start to wonder if Nicole had any connection to the couple's disappearance. Nicole secures a bond and is released from jail to await her court date for their uh, impersonation charges. Charlie's dad doesn't give up hope. He continues to search for the couple on uh, and on the episode of the killing field uh, of the people investigate the people investigates forget the peep the part it's people magazine investigates on discovery plus uh charlie's dad talks about how as he was driving he would look for places where a car could go off the road and have a wreck still holding hope that they would he could find his son like i mean it's pretty bad if you're as a parent hoping for an accident just so that you can find your child like it's brutal a break in the case uh, happens when the cell phone data for Charlie and Kayla's phones is retrieved and police can finally see where the couple's phones last pinged on the cell network. The last pings were lo- uh, from a neighboring town. So November 3rd, a team of investigators is sent out to investigate a wooded area off the Wolf- uh, Wolford Road uh, in Woodruff, North Carolina. The tower that the cell phone last pinged off of was next to a 95-acre farm. This farm was owned by real estate agent Todd Kohlhepp. Todd's real estate company, TKNA, had good reviews. Um, police search all, uh, all, uh, the police search also discovers Todd also owns a house in Moore, South Carolina. Police approached Todd at his home in Moore to question him about the cell phone pings. While police were questioning Todd, another team of police were executing a search warrant on the 95-acre farm to see where what they could find. The property is surrounded by fence, and there's a long, winding road that goes through it. Um, yeah, and in th- it goes through the property and into that wooded area. Police also noted several buildings on the property, a gardening shed as well as a garage-type building with a loft apartment above it 
Um, and there was also one of those metal sea cans, like the metal storage containers. Uh, back at Todd's residence, back in, what did we say, more? Uh, police start to ask questions. One of which was if Todd knew why Charlie and Kayla's cell phones had last pinged on his property. Todd seemed surprised and seemed to be unaware of why police would, uh, would be asking him this. Meanwhile, at the 95-acre property, police are searching the, for signs of the couple. They soon come across Charlie's car, hidden in a ravine on the property. The car is covered with branches to help hide it, and great lengths have been taken to hide the car. One of those lengths was uh, to which there was brown paint had been like hand rubbed all over this car in an attempt to help camouflage the car. The car had initially been white, so that would have been very noticeable. Police then focus their efforts into searching the buildings. Um, they search the shed, then the garage, and then they search the metal storage container. So the container is changed shut with several different locks. Uh, as police are cutting the locks and using a sledgehammer to try and gain access, they hear what they believe to be someone banging on the wall from within the container. They stop what they're doing, and one of the officers knocks on the wall of the container. They then hear the scream of a woman from inside. Police then speed up their attempts to open the container. Once open, they discover Kayla alive and well. She is chained with a padlock uh, around her neck, and they had to use bolt cutters to free her from the chains. Police manage to get Kayla out, and they ask her where Charlie is. She then tells them that Todd Colehep shot Charlie three times in the chest, then wrapped him in a blue tarp and put him in the bucket of a tractor, and he then locked up Kayla and put her in the storage container. Meanwhile, back at Todd's residence, police are informed of Kayla's rescue. The detective questioning Todd asks Todd to turn around and places cuffs on him, stating it is for their safety. He then informs Todd that they have located Kayla on his property alive and that she is saying that he, Todd, shot and killed Charlie. They inform him that he is under arrest for kidnapping and they say it would be helpful to himself if he cooperates and tells them where to find Charlie's body. Todd replied no and that he was going to need an attorney. The more police uh, look into Todd Kolhev's background, the darker Todd is discovered to be. When he was young, uh, he was known to torture small animals, uh, and he also had an intense curiosity with guns. He was very angry and dangerous. His mother, having had enough of Todd, sent him off to live with his dad in Arizona. It was here in November of 1986, he lured a girl around his age out of her house, then forced her with a gun back to his house, uh, where he tied her up and put duct tape over her mouth, and he proceeded to rape her and threaten her with a knife. When he is done, he walks her back home. He was... Um, eventually caught because obviously she went home and told her parents and got the police involved. Um, so he was caught and charged and ended up doing 14 years in prison for the rape. 
Once Todd is done with his jail sentence, he returns to South Carolina, spending the next 15 years earning the trust of the people there at the as a top-notch realtor. According to Kayla, on August 31st, Charlie and her met Todd at his property, agreeing to do a cleaning job there for him. Todd provided them with water and hedge clippers and pointed to the areas he wanted cleaned up before leaving the property. Shortly after Todd left, he reappears, but this time he is holding a gun. He walks up to the couple, and when he, Charlie turns around, Todd shoots him in the chest three times. As Kayla was in sh shock to what she'd just witnessed, Todd grabbed her, hauls her inside the garage, and handcuffs and gags her. He pulled up a chair next to her, and he inf informed her that he would not hurt her as long uh, as she did what she was told. Kayla laid helpless on the floor as Todd rolled up Charlie's body in a tarp and took him away. Todd keeps Kayla chained in the storage container. He rapes her every day, and he also brings her food and water. He sometimes takes her out for walks on the property, keeping her on a chain like a dog. Oftentimes, these walks, uh, he led her to where he had buried Charlie. He would warn her that if she ever tried to run, she would end up laying in a grave next to Charlie. Todd must have planned to keep her for a very long time. He would tell her that eventually Stockholm Syndrome would kick in and she would be happy she was there. Ugh, it's like gross. Ugh, that's disgusting. So once Kayla was taken... Um, for medical attention after being rescued, a massive search of the property began to, uh, to find the body of Charlie. During the search, a massive amount of weapons and ammunition were discovered. Eventually, police find and identify Charlie's body. And when they discover his grave, they also discovered that Todd had recently dug another fresh grave, not yet used, next to it. Seeing this, police realized they were lucky to have found Kayla alive at all. Part of my thought was, too, like, I mean, yeah, maybe he was intending to kill her soon. Another thought is maybe he dug it recently because he, he was concerned and maybe he was trying to scare her even more because now the grave is ready. It's hard to say. Could be that, too, right? Uh, so, yeah. That, uh... Yeah, they were pretty sure it was only a matter of time before he killed her. Police tell Todd that they have found Charlie, and Todd decides to answer all the police's questions and come clean. Police ask him why he shot Charlie, and Todd replied that he was angry at Kayla, not Charlie. Police tell him where they found the body, and Todd confirms that this is where he buried Charlie's body. But before police can ask another question, Todd continues by saying that those, referring to Charlie's grave uh, and the unused one next to it, weren't the only ones. Todd tells police that there are more bodies uh, to be found on his property. And Todd claimed that two people had tried to rob him the previous year, so he had shot them and buried their bodies on his property. Todd leads police to the location where he had buried the bodies. So, police then dug up the area and were able to locate and exhume two bodies. 
The bodies, having been there for as long as they were, were so badly decomposed that police had to use the victims' tattoos, like what was left of what they could see, um, to help identify the victims. Once the victims were identified, they were identified as Johnny and Megan Coxie. Their parents had filed a missing person report on the uh, quite a while back in December of 2015. So it turns out that the couple also had cleaned houses for Todd to make extra cash. According to Todd, he had driven Johnny and Megan to his property to get cleaning supplies. And when they got there, the couple went into the garage, and according to Todd, it was then that Johnny pulled out a knife in an attempt to rob him. So Todd pulled out his gun and shot Johnny. He then stated that he had kept Megan captive for about five or six days in the same storage container that he would eventually keep Kayla in. He eventually killed her too because she had started, uh, not started, sorry, attempted to start a fire in the storage container. Todd was not done with confessing though. Um, he admitted to killing four people at the Superbike Motorsports store in 2003 a mass murder that until Todd's confession had remained unsolved for years. He claimed that he killed those people because the owner had made fun of him, to which Todd said he had gotten so angry over it that it, he left and came back with a gun with the intent to kill. When he arrived at Superbike Motorsports store, uh, motor store um, he walked into the mechanic's bay and shot a man there twice in the chest. He then went on to the showroom floor and proceeded to shoot three more people. Not even faced by what he had done, Todd got into his car and drove home as though nothing had ever happened. On May 26th of 2017, Todd pled guilty to all 12 charges that were against him. Seven of those charges were that of murder. Judge, uh, the judge gave Todd seven life sentences. So that's that's good on the judge um but yeah so that's it and through the research and stuff it does um i guess people the one of the writers for people magazine received a letter from todd um or not todd not from todd um from an alleged victim of todd's uh from his past right around that time he raped that girl um another girl had been attacked and raped in her in her room that she she shared an apartment i think with another girl for school like college and the police never did anything with her report but later on like years down the road when this whole thing blows up and todd's face is all over the news her roommates and her they see it and they they realized that that was the guy that was at their place that night. So he's done evil things in the past as well. So that is the story about Kayla and Charlie. And I guess you could say Johnny and Megan and, and these other victims. So, yeah, that is it. That is all I got this week, guys. Um, that one was a stretch to get out as it was because <laughs> it's been a very busy and hectic week in my life. 
Um, but yeah, so I think next week too, I think Melissa, yeah, she will be gone. She will be in the Dominican. So we will wish her a happy bon voyage or I don't know, whatever you tell people before they get on a plane. Um, <laughs> and, uh, hopefully she remembers to bring me back a piece of Larimar. Uh, cause my birthday is, uh, it'll be, yeah, my birthday's on the 10th. So the day after Thanksgiving here in Canada, um, I know Americans, yours isn't for like another month, but, uh, yeah, here in Canada, we celebrate it on that first Sunday, Monday of around the 10th. I was born on Thanksgiving day. I ruined Thanksgiving for my mom. <laughs> So, uh, every so many years it falls right on Thanksgiving day. So I usually get turkey for my birthday and I like that. I like turkey. Turkey is delicious. It's best the day after. Um, but yeah, so I don't even know what I'm doing yet for around my birthday and stuff like that. So if anybody wants to, uh, reach out, and wish me happy birthday, feel free to do so. It's not going to be weird. I'm okay with it. Uh, you can hear us here on all usually I listen to it on Spotify but it we're available on pretty much most of all the pod hosts and the sativas hit me full force like a freaking battering ram holy crap um it's really good um yeah we're on Facebook um getting high with true crime uh, is the page and then we also have a nice little community group where getting high with true crime podcast is the name of it uh, and you are all welcome to contribute to that uh, group uh, we do have it set so admins can approve or decline posts but um, usually if you just give us a couple minutes it'll get approved unless you're really messed up and gonna get it end up getting us kicked off of Facebook then it might get declined. Uh, you can also reach out to us, uh, email us case suggestions, or uh, if you have some funny sto- or interesting stories, crime-related, 420-related, both-related, aliens. I really don't care. I just want to hear you guys' stories because I know what my stories are, and I would like to hear some new ones. So there's that so you can email us at getting high with true crime at gmail.com and you can also now we are set up on discord and you can uh join the 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 channel and then we have different ones within there there's a general chat there is a case suggestion one funny i got high stories i think there's one more but i can't remember what it is Um, yeah, so we're on Discord now, and yeah, pretty soon, I think it's the week after Thanksgiving, it will be coming out on the Monday, but yeah, that special podcast that we got to be a part of, and we had lots of fun doing, so I would highly recommend this to everyone, and I will also gladly do it again, so yeah, there's that, and I don't know what else to say. I'm just going to be rambling on. Usually Melissa keeps me in check, but she's not here, which is okay. She's got a lot going on before she's flying away. Um, Yeah, so uh, stay lifted. 
Oh, and we also got more, uh, my beaver has travel stickers and it's in a slightly smaller size. So a little bit more usable for a lot of things. Um, so yeah, hit us up if you would like your own, my beaver has traveled sticker. Um, I can mail pretty much anywhere. Um, and they are going for $2 Canadian sticker. So yay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So stay lifted. Okay. Bye. Thank you.